Yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, music this morning. I won't tell you too long today. Jason, I did that just for you. But today I want to read from the book of Luke. Book of Luke, first chapter, and start at the 68th verse. Book of Luke, first chapter, starting at the 68th verse. And it's a part of scripture that's not covered too often during this time of year, but I feel it's very relevant for the coming of our Savior. It is actually, it's called Zechariah's Song, and Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist give you a little context. Luke 1, verse 68, 68 through 79. It reads as thus, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he has said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Father God, we ask that you come now, that you allow your spirit to show us the meaning, the purpose, the inspiration of this scripture. Help us to see how to apply this word into our life to draw us closer to you so that we may walk more in your path and into the purpose you have for us. Lord, I ask that you consecrate me now by the power of your grace so divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope and let my will be lost in thine. It's in the wonderful and matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. It's by no accident that God does things. And so this week, as I was preparing this sermon, the idea was a pathway to peace. And yesterday, or the day before, uh, Liz called me and asked if we could do something special because she was really disturbed by 
shootings that were going on this week. And I hadn't really been as informed on the issue as I should have, but in speaking with her, I realized that it was a very serious issue. And that we ask these questions, why, when will it stop, what's the purpose? And in a world that is full of tumult, war, hate, unexplainable viciousness, we look to a God who is supposed to be loving, not allow these kinds of things to happen. And so, instead of straying from the sermon, I looked at what God had already put on my heart. And what I was studying was a sermon from 1967 that was given on Christmas Eve at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia by Martin Luther King Jr. And the name of the sermon was Peace on Earth. And in the sermon, he's describing the human condition as we find it. In a world that is in war, at that time there was the Vietnam War going on and there was a lot of controversy around that. And King was trying to lay out the point of how we can find peace in situations where there seems there is no peace. And so he says something that resonated that I wanted to share with you. He says simply, if we are to have peace on earth, our loyalties must become ecumenical rather than social. And what he's trying to say there, this word ecumenical, it means all churches. No matter your faith, no matter your denominational beliefs, it's all of those who profess Christ fall in an ecumenical category. But if you look at the root of the word, it also means universal, all-inclusive. So as we look at this saying of being ecumenical, rather than social. It means our loyalty should lie to all men, to all women, to what is good for mankind, and not what's just good for what I believe. Not just my race, my social status, my political view, the things I like or don't like. None of that should matter when it comes to my loyalty to what's good. It should rely only in God. Because God has set up a system for there to be peace. But yet here we are in the midst without peace. And in this Advent season, we celebrate the coming of our Savior. It's a celebration, but it's a preparation for his coming.
See, in the scripture, we find Zechariah, and something incredible has happened to this man. His wife has become pregnant. They're both in, later in their years. But not only that, but they were told that their child, their son, would be a prophet for God. It's like, wow. I mean, we all think our kids are special, right? <laughs> we all look at them when they're little and, boy, you're going to be the best NBA player, <laughs> the best doctor. Right? But here's this man who has been told by God, your son is going to be a prophet. And so he's here celebrating this occasion. And he's realizing that within all of his life, all the things that he had been through, his ups, his downs, his heartaches, his good times, that here in his later years, God has blessed him with this child. I don't know how many of us go through life in its ups and downs and its trials and tribulations and wondering, when is God going to show up? When am I going to get my blessing? And here's Zechariah getting his blessing and finding his peace. So if I could, for a moment, just kind of look at how we find this idea of peace, a pathway to peace in the midst of our own seemingly darkness. See, in that speech in the Ebenezer Baptist Church, King said something else. He said, peace is not merely a distant goal that we seek but it is a means by which we arrive at the goal. We must pursue peaceful ends through peaceful means. So we try to do so many things. And a lot of times we don't really care how we get there as long as we get there. But with that kind of attitude, we're going to sacrifice some things along the way. And we may not realize, here it is, we may not realize what we're sacrificing in the moment. We may not realize it till later down the line. And that old good hindsight 2020 thing. And we realize, wow, I messed up a lot of good relationships. I messed up a lot of good things I had in my pursuit for what I thought I wanted. The pathway to peace shouldn't be just the goal. It should be the means by which we take each step. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about servant leadership and about persuading versus coercing. And we're basically saying that we all want things. We all try to figure out how to get the things that we want in life. And Sometimes we can pick a disruptive path or maybe a little more not so disruptive, but we're willing to do whatever we think we need to do to get the things that we want. But instead of the manipulation and the coercion, how can we be persuaders? Meaning that instead of just doing it and getting what we want, 
those who are involved in the process with us, how do we get them on board in the way that we show them what's positive for them as well? A pathway to peace. See, it'd be real easy for me to just walk around my house. I have the biggest voice in the house. I could just yell stuff. I mean, it wouldn't work with my wife, but I mean, with my kids, I could just yell stuff. I can be stern, I can be mean. I'm the big guy. That's an easy way to get my way. But what kind of damage am I doing to my child? I may not realize it in the moment. I may not see it until years down the line when I'm trying to have a positive relationship with them and it's just not working and I can't figure out why. Because I didn't find a peaceful path to get what I wanted. So we look at this world we find ourselves in and we wonder, why can't we find a peaceful path? Why can't people use more of that logic in things? Well, I would say that they haven't found who they really are themselves. See, if we're operating out of a place where we feel we have to fight for everything we have, then we're going to be willing to do whatever we need to do to get it. But if we come from a perspective that this life isn't even mine, God has given me this life. And in my attempts to give it back to him, I want to surrender to what he is trying to do through me. So even though I have this desire, let me look to God because God's going to give me the instincts and the inclinations and the how-tos to get what I want. It might not be in my time, but it's going to happen because I trust, I have faith that God has put this desire in my heart. And so let me find the patient path. Let me find the peaceful path. Let me look at myself as God's vessel and see how God is going to use me in my path to get the desire that he's put in my heart. And then I begin to see others the same way. And this is where we have the breakthrough. When I see everyone else as also children of God. And then I don't even have to say, how am I gonna manipulate them? No, I just have to say, okay God, what are you doing with them? What are you doing with this person, God? Because if you show me that, then I'm gonna know exactly how to deal with them, how to love on them, how to bring out the best things that are inside of them. And then I don't have to convince them of anything, I just have to love on exactly who they are. The good, the bad, oh yeah, and the ugly. And then I have faith that God works everything else out. See, what we're missing is that love. In the midst of our darkness, in the midst of the world's darkness, God sent something. He tried to send prophets. He tried to send his word. He tried to send miracles. He tried to even wipe us out and start over. Nothing worked. So he finally sent his love. And he didn't send our kind of love that we think of. 
You know, in the Greek, they have those three kinds. You heard them, the eros, philia, and agape. Eros is that kind of romantic love. You know, when two people feel a certain way or you see something beautiful and it inspires you, that, that eros love. And then there's that philia love of friendship. Philadelphia, right? Uh, the city of brotherly love, right? If you ever been there, you would laugh. <laughs> or if you're a Redskins fan or a Giants fan like I am, you would laugh. But it's that brotherly love, where I love my brother, I want to take care of my brother, my brother's keeper. But then there's agape love, and that's God's love. And it's an overflowing love. It's a love you can't stop. It's a love that doesn't have reason. It's a love that makes you do things and you don't know why you're doing it. It's a love that makes you get up in the middle of the night and check on your kids and you don't even know why. It's a love that goes beyond everything else you ever experience in your life. Because you can't put your finger on it. You can't stop it, you can't control it. But this is the kind of love that God wants for us. For one another, for him first, and then for one another. That's what the world is missing. And that's what Christ came to bring. Quote by Amy Carmichael, she says, You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And this is the giving season, amen? Well, I know it was for me. I did a lot of purchasing with the expectation of giving. But we do, we spend a lot of our times in this season thinking of how to give, what to give. And I know we always say, oh, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season. Don't get caught up in the material things, of course. But I can't help but sit back and see how even in the midst of all the Black Fridays and all the sales, God is right there. God is right there in every decision I'm doing because I feel the joy of the expectation of giving. When we wrapped Thanksgiving baskets last week, I felt the joy dropping off each basket to a family. When we wrapped gifts that are going out to kids in Operation Santa Claus, I felt the joy of that giving. Oh, I wish you all could have been here. Friday we had a room full and all the gifts up here and we prayed over them and sent them out. And there was just this sense of accomplishment and purpose. Why? Because we were simply giving. I always say, if you want to get over your worst problem, Look at someone else's problem. Do something else for somebody else. Then you won't think about whatever it is you're going through. We love as a way of giving. But Mother Teresa says it's not how much we give, but how much love we put into the giving. This week, I had a friend call me up and I love these stories. But she was dealing with some things and she had, a, she had been sick and she had hurt herself and she couldn't get out of the house. 
and she had been praying for God just to help her in her situation, whatever that meant, in her darkness. And so, as it so happened, someone did call her just to check up, but then said something that blessed her. Said, you know what? I'm calling you because God put you on my heart. But I also feel like because of your situation, I'm going to go a little extra step because God had put on my heart that I should bathe you. That you needed that. And I'm going to bring you some food because I just feel you need that. In this season of giving, you're going to buy a whole lot of things. But it's not the amount. It's the intensity of that love. Are we willing to bathe someone, even if it is a friend? That's agape. That's the love that transcends everything else. Now, I'm not saying that that's where we are. But that is what Jesus brings into our lives. That's the kind of love that Christ wants to move through you and use you to do. We want to be a blessing. We want to make a difference in life. And we should be willing to simply give ourselves, our time, our efforts to helping someone else. Sometimes it can be a hard thing. Maybe it's someone we don't get along with, but God is moving us, nudging us, saying, forget about that thing they did. Get over that. Forget about that thing you did. Get over that. He's a universal God. He wants us to be ecumenical not social, not separate, but together. It blesses me so much to look over and see all of you, know the various stories, some of the struggles, the real things you've gone through, and yet here you are. Here you are, in the midst of your darkness, finding the light finding your light in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen? Amen. As the band comes forward, let us not forget that a kind gesture can reach a wound in someone that only that compassion can actually heal. If you don't know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior today, I ask you to Accept him in the midst of your struggles and your darkness and you're not sure. Let his light shine on you. The rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in the darkness. There is a one. Maybe you're looking for a church home. I invite you to join this station of Zion and begin your journey in him. Is there one? Please stand.